0: You're listening to Threads Radio, my name's Luke Fraser, and this is The Tonic.
1: final movement there of Osvaldo Golijov's Air from 2004. And if that seems like a slightly displaced opening to an episode on the music of Latin American countries, well, he is in fact Argentinian, albeit of Jewish descent via Romania. That piece air, well, I'm a fan. As a whole, 11 very diverse movements, taking in post-minimalism, cinematic tone painting, music concrete, resonant folk music and arabic pop and electro it has to be one of the most vivid and emotionally engaging pieces of classical music to have come along in years and it's also a great introduction to his style and his magpie tendencies to borrow from a highly stylistically diverse range of reference points be it classical chamber music jewish liturgical and klezmer music or the nuevo tango of fellow argentinian Astor piazzolla and so on and throw them into a stylistic pot that is lively, effusive and emotionally resonant without being simplistic or reductive. Lots of composers try this, of course, and Reams of PR gets written about it, but for me few make it work as well, with results seeming not merely tokenistic, but essential to the music on a structural as well as a surface level. That piece its not really folk music, but it is saturated with it, whether the sources crossing centuries and continents are real or imagined. It was inspired by Luciano Berrio's folk songs that I featured in the last show, itself written 40 years earlier for Berrio's wife, Kathy Barbarian. The recording I played then, as now, was sung by the American soprano Dawn Upshaw, who Golijov has had a long working relationship with. He's called her his muse. So I guess the writing of this piece seemed like a no-brainer. The texts are in Arabic, Hebrew, Spanish and Sardinian of the Andalusian Middle Ages where Jews, Christians, and Muslims lived in reasonable, if in perfect, harmony, and there was a great deal of cross-cultural influence. With a little bend, a melody goes from Jewish to Arab to Christian, Golajov is quoted as saying, to hear that in a lullaby, to hear it in anger or rapture, is an aha moment. How little you have to change to go from one culture to another, maybe even nothing. A singer's accent can be enough. Now, I love that sentiment, though I guess this is a historically complicated argument, but at any rate, the piece does do a great job of teasing out some of these similarities. So let me also strongly avoid using the term postmodernism, but that bringing together of sources, both real and imagined, and in a sense, the leveling out of them so that it just doesn't really matter which is which, and the teasing out of all those confluences, well, that is all pretty postmodern, isn't it? And it's also his real superpower, I think. Accompanying Dawn Upshaw there was the Andalusian Dogs. They are Tara O'Connor, Flute, David Krakauer, Clarinet, Jamie Somerville, Horn, Liova, Viola, Eric Friedlander, Cello, Mark Dresser, Double Bass, Bridget Kibbe, Harp, Michael Ward Bergman on Accordion and Hyper Accordion, Gustavo Santo Guitar, Ron Rocco, Jamie Haddad, Percussion, and Jeremy Flower, Sound Design and Laptop. It's taken from the album College of Air, Barrio Folk Songs and that was released on Deutsch gramophone back in 2005. <music> I love all of that, and um, particularly the free-flowing opening movement, which is apparently an evocation of a barber shop where a guitar usually hangs on the wall for the use of waiting customers. That's Antonio Laro's Sweet Venezolana from 1963. He was a Venezuelan guitarist and composer, considered now to be one of the most prominent twentieth century South American writers for guitar. Born in Ciudad Bolivar, Venezuela, and later moving to Caracas, He studied piano and composition at the Academia de Musica y Declamación, before apparently falling hard for the charms of the guitar. He was drawn in particular to the myriad 19th century valses velezolanos, or Venezuelan waltzes. They are very melodic and characterized by distinctive syncopation created by hemiola, in which two measures of 3-4 become a single measure of 3-2. With such music being just the sort of folkloric raw material which the likes of smetana bartok and granados had elevated to the status of art in europe you can hear the influence of those waltzes in that piece and the venezuelan element in all of that is no accident like many south american composers of his generation he was a pretty fervent cultural nationalist determined to both preserve and celebrate his nation's musical heritage He was also imprisoned by the military junta of General Marcos Pérez Jiménez in 1948, although he later shrugged off the experience, telling his friends that prison was a normal part of life for the Venezuelan man of his generation, and at any rate he just continued composing in prison. He did tinker with modern compositional techniques, but most of his guitar music remains essentially on what was referred to by musicians of his generation as the calle Real or Main Street, straight and direct without too many distracting harmonic detours. I think at any rate that the piece you heard does a pretty good job of pushing beyond simple melody and the most basic harmonies whilst not straying too far into dissonance. And beautifully played as well there by Jesus Castro Balbi. The album Venezuelan Waltzes was released on the label etc. in 2013.
0: some brilliant sounds in
1: that. That's *Retorno al Fuego from 2002 by Graciela Castillo, an electroacoustic and experimental composer, pianist and teacher from Córdoba, Argentina. She was among a group of composers that created the Centro de Música Experimental at the National University of Córdoba in the mid-60s and she later took a professorship at the Universidad Nacional. Of this piece, Return to the Fire, she said, Nature roars, announces, proclaims, prevents, without witnesses, a huge space of its own, an arbitrary rhythm, flow, gait, stillness, and everything in it. It's taken from the album Composiciones 1965-2003, to and that was put out on Viajero in Novel Experimental in 2020.
0: Sound a bit familiar?
1: That's the aria to Bach's Goldberg Variations, as filtered via Debussy and latterly a bit of Prokofiev, and all improvised by Gabriela Montero, the Venezuelan pianist best known for her real-time riffs upon classical pieces or themes, often suggested on the fly by audiences. She's a pretty mean straight classical player as well. Born in Caracas, she was apparently seven months old when her parents placed a toy piano in her cot. I'm sure you can probably guess how this story pans out. First public performance at the age of five, and a concerto debut, Haydn D Major, at the age of eight, surely giving Mozart a run for his money there. Incidentally, that was with the Orquestra Nacional Juvenil de Venezuela, the original youth orchestra created by José Aburo in 1976. And which would later evolve into the Simon Bolivar Youth Orchestra under Gustavo Dudamel, an integral part of the globally revered and widely imitated El Sistema program of music education. She's improvised since she could first play, and though unsure of how that aspect of her performance would be received within the stuffier circles of the classical world, she was encouraged by Martha Argerich nonetheless, a big fan apparently who advised her not to be concerned about whether people would find it improper or not. When improvising, she says, I connect to my audience in a completely unique way, and they connect with me. Because improvisation is such a huge part of who I am, it is the most natural and spontaneous way I can express myself. And that improvised output ranges quite widely stylistically. Parts of it I like more than others. I think she does transcend what can be the slightly novelty or cocktail party aspect of improvising on set themes. Jacques Lucier comes to mind, much as I do like a bit of Jacques. And she does manage to take pieces to places of artistic depth alongside her obvious technical mastery. And let's not lose sight of the fact that nearly all the composers she improvises upon were themselves improvisers. Had they been around today, they'd no doubt be doing the very same thing with their own pieces and I bet their social media marketing game would be next level. That was taken from the album Bark and Beyond, and it was released on EMI Classics in 2006.
0: Yes, (laughs)
2: Yes, <laughs> yes.
3: por ven y lo avé. Ando por este valle hermoso buscando huella del olvido, huella que no se han devorado porque la pisan los. Hijos.
0: songs
1: from an utterly distinctive record. That's ostensibly Lida Valadares, an Argentine singer, songwriter, musicologist, folklorist and poet, though the singers you heard and the pieces there in order were Lida Valadares singing Cautivato Corazones or Captivating Hearts, Suna Rocha and Pedro Aznar singing Por Esos Montes, Through Those Mountains, Isadora Alvarez singing Baguales de Tacuman and Liliana Herrero and Lida Valadares duetting on Eza Fulanita, or That Whore. From San Miguel de Tacoman in northern Argentina, Lida Valadares grew up surrounded by both classical European music and the folk music of the Amerindian people living in that area. A student and ultimately public intellectual, she moved to Paris in the early 50s and formed a duo there with Maria Elena Walsh. They're known as Líder y Maria, you can find their records around still, performing music based on traditional bagualas, chacarenas, vidalas, and zambas. They sang at the Sorbonne, in intellectual cafes like Le Clues, and in places frequented by Spanish exiles who had fled from the Spanish Civil War, alongside the likes of Chaplin and Picasso. Very much middle-class girls singing working-class music, they were less warmly received by Argentines in France, who felt that they were making their country look unsophisticated with their focus on folk music. And indeed that reaction, or at least a general disinterest, was echoed on their later return to Argentina after the 1956 liberating revolution had removed Juan Perón from office. They split up in '62, and Lida Valadares ultimately embarked on a career documenting the folk music traditions of Argentina. Her work between 1960 and 74 produced a seminal documentary series of albums, Mapa Musical de la Argentina, which stands as one of the key ethnographic documents of Argentinian folk music. And I think it's from that series that the album containing the pieces you heard there are from. It's called Grito in el Cielo, or Shout in the Sky. She began performing as a soloist at educational institutions using a traditional two-sided hand drum known as the caia coplera, and she regularly recruited groups of students to join her in her music making. At one point in the 70s, she apparently had over 30,000 students participating with her. Dressed in a poncho, she became very much a symbol of a countercultural movement against the commercialization of music that she felt was moving it away from its spiritual roots. Though she did later focus on building bridges between folk and more modern commercial styles, and on working with contemporary musicians from a wide variety of backgrounds. So those pieces are all bagualas, I think, the style of folk music from the province of Salta in northwestern Argentina that descends from the Diaguita communities that originally inhabited the Chalaqui Valleys. They're songs of eight-syllable verses, frequently improvised, and accompanied by that very slow repeating rhythm played on the kaya that I mentioned, and almost always played by the person who sings. It's a form that integrates sacred and festive ritual characteristics of Andean culture alongside everyday stories of people, land, and love. They have a starkness to them that's utterly distinctive and that I'm sure must speak to the physicality of the North Argentine landscape along with the lives of those who lived within it. The album, as mentioned, Grito en el Cielo Volume 1 was released on Melopea Discs in
0: 1991.
1: that has to be one of those melodies that just nails simplicity, elegance, and the power to instantly evoke. That's La Bella Cubana, written in 1910 by Jose White. He was a Cuban-French violinist and composer of Afro-Cuban descent who studied at the Paris Conservatory before becoming director of the Imperial Conservatory in Rio de Janeiro. He wrote mainly for the violin that piece was originally scored for two violins in orchestra, I think. It's a habanera, or contradancer, to give it, I think, its more official name. A popular style of music and dance in the 18th century, which was derived from English country dance and adopted at the French court. It was brought to America and from there took on folkloric forms that still exist to this day across South and Central America. But it was in Cuba during the 19th century that it became such an important genre, apparently the first written music to be rhythmically based on non-Western rhythmic patterns, and the first Cuban dance to gain international popularity. It's also really, in this sense, the progenitor of the subsequent crazes of danzon, mambo, and cha-cha-cha. Outside Cuba, the Dancer became known as the habanera, the dance of Havana, and that was the name adopted in Cuba itself, subsequent to its international popularity in the late 19th century, though apparently it was never called that by the people who created it. Anyhow, it was performed there by the excellent all-female Camerata Romo, who were also featured in the previous show, and they were conducted there by Zeneda Romo, who also arranged that version. The album La Bella Habana was released on Classicos Latinos last year. <laughs> Well, I defy you not to at least tap a finger or two along to that. That's El Diablo Suelto by Heraclito Fernández, a Venezuelan newspaper editor, composer, and musician for whom that piece has become something of a calling card. Born in Maracaybo in 1851 and soon moving to Caracas, he founded the newspaper El Zancundo, a weekly whose first issue was published in 1876. And then in 1884, the bi-weekly magazine El Museo appeared in which he contributed both compositions and pieces of satirical music journalism written under a pseudonym. And El Diablo Suelto was published in the pages of El Museo on San Jose's day, that's 19th of March, in 1888. It's a joropo waltz, the joropo being a musical style resembling the fandango and which originated in Venezuela and eastern Colombia. It's a fundamental genre of Venezuelan musica criolla or Creole music, and in 1882 it became the country's national dance. It was performed there by John Williams on guitar, duetting with Alfonso Montes on cuatro, a string instrument particularly popular in Puerto Rico and Venezuela, and which is derived from the Spanish guitar. It's taken from the album El Diablo Suelto, which was released on Sony Classical in 2003. And no offense to Alfonso there, but here's two more short pieces from that album performed solo by John Williams. two pieces there. The first was Los Cajaritos" by Ignacio Indio Ficaredo, a Venezuelan singer-songwriter of the lineira genre, distinctive for its use of harp, maracas, and cuatro. The previously mentioned Joropo is a type of lineira dance, I think. And fun fact, he and his wife had 11 children and 85 grandchildren. The second piece was El Totombo de Guarenas, by Benito Canonico, another Venezuelan composer and musician, as well as being an orchestrator and teacher. He gained international recognition thanks to that song, which has become a staple of classical guitarists worldwide, of the likes of Leona Boyd, Antonio Laro, Flavio Sala, and of course John Williams, who you heard playing it there. The album, as previously mentioned, El Diablo Suelto, was released on Sony Classical in 2003. A proper workout there. That's a slice of classic and I suspect probably lesser known Cuban electronic music from the first of two key composers in this show. That was Prima Dia del Mayo written in 1984 by Carlos Farinas. He was a key figure in the Cuban avant-garde in the 1960s along with Leo Bruya and Juan Blanco, both of whom more about coming up. From a musical family, he soon moved to Havana, where he was a pupil of the elder generation of Cuban composers such as José Ardival and Harold Gramatges and he later studied in both the States and the USSR. He wrote within a wide variety of styles and formats, from traditional symphonic music to computer music, and in 1989 he created the Electroacoustic and Computer Music Laboratory at the Higher Institute of Art, ISA, in Havana. That piece unreleased as far as i know but hey thanks youtube and i similarly haven't been able to find much out about it in the way of notes well i presume it was recorded to tape but i'd love to know more about the kit involved to me it's in a very interesting third space somewhere between electroacoustic music and something more allied to the contemporary sounds of cuba particularly in the rumba in the instance of this piece i suspect i love the intensity of morphing through a rhythmically propulsive single sound and the coloration it takes on as the piece progresses. Hopefully this and other pieces like it by Farinas and Juan Blanco will get a release at some point. Meantime, you can check it out on OP0690DO's YouTube channel and that was published in 2017. Another key figure in the Cuban avant garde of the 50s and 60s, there. That's Leo Breuer, and his slightly confusingly named Quintet for Guitar and String Quartet, written in 1957. Best known as a performer and composer of guitar music, though he has written very widely, he studied in Havana and the States before going on to write music that cleaved closely to the rhythms of Cuban music whilst later becoming drawn towards the avant-garde, exemplified by Luigi Nono, Zanakis, and so on. That piece, though, written whilst he was still a teenager, fits in the earlier mould, with the two movements in particular showing strong Afro-Cuban influences through the rhythm. But it was that tranquil central andante that just struck me. It's pretty lovely, albeit with a slightly weird Stravinskian middle section. It was performed by Dennis Sung-Ho on guitar and the Cator al Falma, who are Elsa Di Lacerda and Caroline Dennis on violin, Morgan Hewitt viola and Renart Ackert on cello. And it's taken from the album Concierto Elegiaco, Tres Danzas Concertinas and Quintet for guitar and string quartet and that was released on Fuga Libera in 2007. That's In Memoriam Modesta Bor, written in 2010 by Beatrice Bilbao, a Venezuelan composer from Caracas. And Modesta Bor was another key Venezuelan female composer. The piece features texts by Manuel Nunez Gonzalez, and it represented the Venezuelan Society of Contemporary Music at the ISCM World Music Days in Rocklaw, Poland in 2014. I really like the contrasts in it between the more jagged rhythmical sections and those lilting lyrical episodes. Some great harmonies and part writing there as well. It was performed by the Nordovego Forum Musiski, the National Forum of Music Choir, conducted by Agnieszka Frankow-Zelanski, and you can find it on the Adelaide Beatrice Bilbao YouTube channel. It was published last year. The Darkened Void of Galaxia M50, written in 1975 by Juan Blanco. He's another pioneer in electronic music generally, yet alone in Cuba. Apparently, he was working on a design for a sampling keyboard way back in 1942, and he was also the first Cuban composer to create an electroacoustic piece in 1961. It's called Musica Dancer and it was produced with an oscillator and three tape recorders, you can check it out on YouTube. But I guess like many musicians in Cuba, his achievements in electronic music and its intersection with traditional music have gone largely unnoticed until recently. Like Carlos Fariñas, he broke down boundaries between electronic and traditional Cuban music, melding new music, electronic instruments, improvisation, and the island's unique musical heritage. He was admired by Che Guevara, apparently, and was known to take PA systems to the sugar fields to entertain the workers. And along with some quite exuberant electronic music that he wrote, we have that piece with its sunken electronic murk and those creepy otherworldly vocal fragments. It's got a real sense of space and pacing to it as well that I really like, taking its time to unfold and almost cocoon you in its airless ambient void. It was produced by Juan Blanco with Farida Hernandez on voice and it's taken from the album contemporaneous for musica electronica and it was released on the creel pone label in 2010. well guess what that's it for another episode i'll be back on the 27th of october at 10 a.m still british summertime. as always you can check the show's instagram page for confirmation the underscore tonic underscore and i too rarely mention But if you have any feedback, good, bad, devastatingly neutral, whatever, do please drop me a message via Instagram or thetonic.online. Thanks again to Meg, to Rosie, and everyone at Threads for hosting. I'm Luke Fraser. Thanks for listening.